Hello, and thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast, now available on almost any platform where podcasts can be found. What you'll most often find here is our Sunday service sermon audio, but we'll also post bits and pieces of special services, events, and other things as they pertain to the life of the church. If you'd like to know more about what's happening here at Redeemer, you can visit us online at www.redeemermn.org or join us live Sunday at 10.30 a.m. on YouTube or Facebook. Just search for Redeemer MN or Redeemer Lutheran Church and locate the blue droplet icon. We're overjoyed at this opportunity to minister to you and to walk beside you as you begin to experience what it means to be the church. Let's dive in. You know, it is so much fun to have been on this journey with all of you. This is the, the last of the Read Your Bible series. And if you have been a part of this series, you know that it is about breaking down the barriers that can stand in the way, answering those questions that, beca- that can become those barriers that get in the way of us reading our Bible. You know, as a reminder, the Bible is the the most accessible, clearest way to know the character of God and the purpose that he has for our life. And so with that in mind, why wouldn't we read our Bibles? Well, that's because the, the, the whys, the whats, the whos, the whens, the wheres, they all get in the way of that deeper connection, that deeper connection with the Father God, the freedom and purpose-filled life that comes as a result. So today we're going to take that final step together. And this might be the, the biggest leap of all, especially for those of us who've read the Bible a little bit. Because how do you actually read the Bible and how do you understand what it all means? Now, I want to just contend that anyone who's read any amount of the Bible, not just the curated bits that fall on Instagram pages as you scroll by, but actually read the actual book with pages, that you've run into circumstances or you've run into to moments where you might have been confused or even frustrated. And it's these moments that can cause us to get stuck, to set down our Bible for one day and eventually lose the incentive to pick it up day after day. It almost seems impossible once we get stuck. I remember once I gave a message, it was about 10 years ago, and in the course of that message, I challenged the congregation, I challenged right in this room, I challenged you to read your Bible for 30 days in a row, and it would change your life. And I stand by that promise even still today. But I have to tell you, it was just a couple weeks later when the kindest lady came and caught me in the commons upstairs, and she was frustrated. She was a little confused. She seemed a little angry at me. Because you see, she took on that challenge. And we have this incredible resource that we give people that's a a devotional, and, and there's a reading plan that goes along with it that draws you through the Bible in a year. And so when she took the challenge, she jumped into the very date of that reading plan as it was just already in the works. And wouldn't you know it, She picked up in some of the hardest to understand, (laughs) most difficult, challenging, depressing books of the Bible, chapters of the Bible, where the the prophets of God are are laying down what it's going to be like if the people of God 
don't respond to the love of God. It was going to be a hard road. And she's like, oh, man, 30 days of this, I don't think I can take it. (laughs) But I was glad she came to me because I encouraged her to stop that reading plan, (laughs) to start the book of John, to get started in a new place, and to engage with God's word, to to build on the rhythm that she'd already established and to continue in reading God's word. Because you see, even in her circumstance, the work that she'd already done, the discipline that she'd already developed to pick up her Bible every day and read it was not lost. You see, I had the opportunity to do her funeral just a few years after that conversation that I had with her. And during the course of planning the funeral, the family brought in the Bible that she read so that we could pick verses to be read at her funeral. And I saw and held that Bible, and it was beautifully used. It was weathered to perfection. It was evident not just in the the weathering of the Bible and the obvious daily use that it had been under, but the interactions that she had written and the notes in the margin, all an indication that she did read her Bible. And she did it every day. My oldest son is in the midst of his college search. And as his parents, we're trying to help him make a decision so that he can get to exactly where he wants to go, right? And I don't know if you've ever looked into this. This is our first experience as parents, Kim and I. And if you've ever looked into this, there are so many moving parts when you consider what colleges are considering in what our teenagers are experiencing. So you've got things like ACT scores. You've got something like his grade point average. You're looking at things that he's involved in, leadership in sports and all the activities that he's got going on, the whole spectrum of classes that he's taken and the challenge that that has meant to him. And we were looking at all these pieces and figuring out which dials can we turn up, right? Is there a class that we can send him to that'll improve his ACT? Is there, is there something we can do to inspire him to, to, to buckle down and to get the best grades of his high school career and his senior year? There's something that we can do to just tweak and turn. And in the midst of trying to figure out exactly what it was that was going to be the predictor of success in college, we came across a piece of information that was startling to us. And in fact, it was startling to us But I also believe it's true. And it's true not only as a predictor of success in college, but it's a predictor of success in all areas of our life. Because what we found out is that attendance is the most accurate and clearest predictor of success in college above anything else. Now, colleges don't look at that when they're considering students. But that is what it is. And I believe it's true as an indicator in all areas of our lives. The clearest indicator of success is showing up. Showing up. The students who perform at the highest level in college are the students who showed up in high school. More and more, we're finding out that the best parents 
are the parents who show up wholly for their kids. Success at work, show up, be fully present. We talk about that relationship booster. You want to have, you want to be a good husband, you want to be a good wife, show up. Or more to the point of today, you want a deeper relationship with the God who loves you, with Jesus who died for you, the Holy Spirit who's fully present with you, show up. You see, we're given this incredible gift, the Bible, the perfect tool to know the depth of God's love, the freedom in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. And what is our part in this? Show up. Show up. Before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed in the midst of that, the longest recorded prayer in the Bible. Jesus prayed for his followers. And this prayer is an intimate conversation between the Father God and his Son, Jesus. And in that prayer, he says this phrase. He says, I have given them your word. Remember, this is Jesus speaking to to his Father in heaven, and he's saying, I have given them your word. Now, Jesus lived the, the fullest expression of the word. His life, his word is a gift. The Bible is a gift. This book and everything in it is a gift for you. Sometimes described as a love letter, God curated his story so that we can have a genuine, authentic relationship with him. This gift gift has many facets, surprises all over the place. And I think this is sometimes why it can be confusing and frustrating to read. But when everything lines up, when the gift of God's word makes sense, it's really a beautiful thing, a truly beautiful thing. Last year, when I was interviewing confirmation students, I had the opportunity to hear one of those stories from from one of those people where God's gift of his word lined up and gave hope and peace. And I want to share that story with all of you. Hi, my name is Anasera, and I'm going to be talking about my confirmation verse today and the story behind it. So back in September, I got this necklace. You probably can't see it, but it's a heart and it's like a locket. And my confirmation verse was Psalm 46, 5, which is, God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. And on the necklace, it says, God is within her, she will not fall. It only says part of it. And inside is a picture of my old coach, Hannah, and a picture of my grandma, Linda Sargent. And they both passed away but this verse really means a lot to me because they're always with me in this necklace and so I chose it for my confirmation verse because it really means a lot to me and they mean a lot to me the encouragement the love the beauty of God's word they all worked together and they gave Anna hope and encouragement and peace The Bible gave her a frame to remember and hold onto the ones she loves the most and provided her with an encouragement to be strong, even when life is hard. The Bible is all of those things and more for all of us. 
And so it brings us back to that very first question that I started with. How do I read my Bible? If that's what's there, how do I read it? Now, before COVID, before shutdowns and politics consumed and changed our lives, before there was even a need to say the phrase, a new normal, do you remember when it was like before that? You know, in that time frame, I was searching for a way to get back on track with what I felt, felt like almost everything in my life. The things that brought me joy didn't bring me joy anymore. The, the fact that I was uh, a lot heavier than I was comfortable with was not something I was comfortable with. And I didn't feel like I was becoming somebody that I wanted to be. And so I started something. I started running again. You see, as I look back at my life, the times when I was the healthiest physically, emotionally, spiritually, those were the times when I was running. And so I started with something that I found on the internet. It was called 30-day 5K. Now, that wasn't stretching a 5K over 30 days. It was running a 5K, 3.1 miles, every day for 30 days. And I did that 30-day challenge, worked my way through it. And at the end of it, I stopped running. But it was pretty quick when I realized that that was something that I missed. And so I started running again, except this time I didn't have quite that structured plan going on. I just didn't write anything down. I just decided that I would run at least one mile every day, see where it took me. And for 935 days, I kept up that streak. Days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, months turned into years. And along, way, along the way, I learned enough to write a book. I lost a little weight. And my perspective changed. Running changed the way I looked at, where the way I looked, the way my clothes fit. It changed the way I felt. And it provided me with a brand new avenue to spend time with God. Now, one of the surprising things that I learned during my streak was the compounding power of doing something every day. I want to say that again. There is a compounding power, meaning one day builds on the next and grows and grows and grows. Have you ever done the exercise? If you have a penny and you, you, the next day you put two in your savings and then you put four and you double it every day, that's what it's like. There's a compounding effect of doing something every day. I learned how quickly that something hard to do can move off of a list of things to check off and onto something that becomes a life-changing habit. I learned that committing, truly committing to doing something every day takes away the biggest excuse. I'll make up for that later. I thought I was discovering a brand new principle when in truth, Jesus taught this very principle first. In the account of his life that was, uh, that was compiled by a doctor named Luke, Jesus set the path to an intimate, authentic relationship with him. In Luke 9, Jesus is, is speaking. Then Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Now, a disciple, that word's unfamiliar to, to you at its, at its core. It's a student of Jesus in this case, a rabbi or teacher and they followed, they emulated. These disciples, they saw miraculous things and they were empowered. Jesus called his disciples friends and raised the bar of friendship to a love and intimacy that outpaced 
our language's ability to even communicate what it meant. To know the fullness of that Jesus relationship, he made a way. Deny yourself first. What that means is that you are to make Jesus the priority. And then he says this, that you're to hold your sacrifice every day and follow me. Jesus gave us the gift of his word so that we can grow in relationship with him and calls us to follow him every day. So how do I read my Bible? How do I experience the compounding power of reading the Bible by putting it into daily practice? Now, I want to give you a warning, especially at first, but always with challenges. The daily discipline of reading your Bible is not going to be easy. There are days and seasons of busy and competing priorities where fitting it in and finding the time are harder to do, even in comparison to the passion of discovering a fresh outpouring of God's love. The Apostle Paul knew this challenge firsthand. Reminder, Apostle Paul is one of the writers that wrote much of the New Testament in letters to his church. And in that letter to the church in Philippi, he wrote it this way. Not that I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. And then he continues on in verse 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, when the challenges press in, and they will, we are reminded by the words of Paul to press on. Now, I want to just give a little of a clarifying dialogue around that idea of pressing on. You see, pressing on is about giving yourself permission for a do-over. Giving yourself permission to restart. It's about extending God's grace, that grace that he pours into us, extending that out and covering over our own schedule. And in doing that, we press on. So how do I read the Bible? It's through daily practice. And when things are hard, we press on. But there's this moment that we will all experience as we read God's word and as we move through life. And that's when we can't muster up enough. We can't inspire ourselves but that was never God's intent because he called us to be inspired, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Paul again writes, these are the things, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. For the followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to the truth, to the transformation that comes in the word of God, the words he gave us, the transformation that comes through the Bible. How do we read the Bible? How do we read? How do I read my Bible? I combine that all in and turn to new language there for a second. We do it through daily practice. We do it when we press on. And we do it when we lean in to the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to remind you something that we have held to be true through this entire series. You are not saved through reading your Bible. 
Only Jesus saves. But we grow to know this Jesus. We grow to know a personal relationship, the love. We grow when we read the Bible. As John wrote his account of Jesus' life, he wrote these words. These are written. His book of the Bible, his gospel was written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And when we break that down, we we see that when we read the Bible, we meet Jesus. When we read our Bibles, we meet Jesus. Let me say that again. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Life in his name is something new. When we read our Bibles, our lives are transformed, are made different, are made into Christ-likeness. Now, throughout my time at Redeemer, I have been inspired again and again by the people that follow Jesus here. And this morning, I want to share one of those stories with all of you. Hello, Redeemer family. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Bill Strecker. And don't worry, you can relax. I'm not asking to sign up for a Ludafus dinner or a survey day yet. I just want to take this moment and share with you a recent story of how God is working in my life. It's a story that ties into the recent sermon series on reading your Bible, and also with the series Brian gave on chasing counterfeits. So here it is. For several years now, I've been involved in a group Bible study, and last fall, we started studying the Gospel of Matthew. Well, in chapters 8 and 9, I was caught up as Matthew listed several accounts back-to-back where Jesus displays his authority over nature, demons, disease, and sin. And at the end of that study, the notes on those chapters, they left us with a question. What's stopping you that can't stop Jesus? That question hit me. I didn't have an answer, but I felt it dig into my soul. And that morning, I shared with the group my intrigue of Jesus' authority and that I was wrestling with that last question. Well, that Saturday, after my Bible study Zoom meeting, I had made plans to go with my wife on a short outing. I thought I had communicated clearly, and I thought she was in on it, but that wasn't the case. While I was in my Zoom meeting, Gracia got a phone call from work, and she agreed to take an earlier shift. She later explained that she had misunderstood and didn't realize that I was planning a date together. But at that moment, it felt like a punch in my gut. I was immediately rocked with disappointment. It took the wind out of me for several days, but this wasn't the first time that it happened to me, that I'd been sent into a spiral from disappointment. But this time, I honestly wanted to know how to pull out of a tailspin like this in a healthy way. But I only knew my default mechanisms of withdrawal, frustration, anger, and resentment, all of which led me to sin or a disconnect with my wife, a disconnect with God, or whoever I was disappointed in, including myself. Well, on that Monday, I went to work, and while sanding floors, I was listening to an audiobook. Now, in that story, the main character is a 40-year-old woman who was crushed with disappointment as well, and her advice dropped me. I shut off the sander, and I replayed it several times. And here's what she said. She said, I can't tell you what to do with your suffering, but as for me, I grab it by the fine hairs, and I cast it to the ground and grind it with the heel of my boot 
until it is dust that blows away in the wind. There was the answer to my question. I had let disappointment have authority in my life for years. For some 30 to 40 years of my life, I've had joy and peace robbed from me by days of disappointment. But then the freedom came, and I smiled with joy. It was like in The Wizard of Oz. The curtain was pulled back on the cause of my suffering, and I realized I didn't have to live like that anymore. In my processing of all this, I looked up the history or the etymology of the word disappointment and found something interesting. Its original meaning meant to deprive of a, a position or to remove from office or authority. So on that day, Jesus disappointed the authority of disappointment in my life. So here's what I want to leave you with. I can't encourage you enough to spend time with the God who created you and longs to restore you. To spend time with him by reading your Bibles. For me, I found my story in Matthew 8 and 9. Yours will probably be found in a different passage. But I want to challenge you to plan a date with Jesus. He will meet you there. It's a reminder that the Bible is powerful, but only if we read it. It changes perspectives. It is a mirror that reveals truth. The Bible, I'll say it again, the Bible is the primary tool that God uses to reveal his character and reveal his purpose so that the Holy Spirit can transform our lives. So every day, press on, lean on the Holy Spirit, and read your Bible. Now, you might be saying to yourself, I've been reading my Bible. You told me to six weeks ago, and every day I've been reading the reading plan that you provided for me, so I've been doing that. To that, awesome. Awesome. But what's next? You know, I'll dare say that if you've read through the book of John, which is what I've done in these last five weeks, actually, You didn't get it all. Either did I. You can always start that again. If you want to hear the next chapter in the story, move on to the next book of the Bible, Acts. When Jesus' story continues and the church forms and people like Paul and Barnabas lay the path for the community of worship that we are experiencing today. It's a pretty amazing story. It's got lots of chapters too, so it'll keep you going for a while. Or you can re-listen to Brian's message from just a couple weeks ago, where he talked about where do you start? And where do you start depends on you. So if you take a look and figure out where you're at in your relationship with Jesus, well, that can give you a clue on what to read next. Or maybe it's a devotional. Picking up a devotional and reading a verse a day with some help and understanding, whatever it is, whatever your next step is, I can't encourage you enough to read your Bible every day, press on, lean on the Holy Spirit, read your Bible. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that, that you have given us a miraculous way to encounter you. Miraculous in that it is new and fresh every single morning, every single day. 
miraculous in that it somehow, despite being written generations ago, applies perfectly to the way that we walk our lives today. Miraculous in that we can read the same passage again and again and receive something new from you each time. Lord, inspire us with your Holy Spirit to encounter you fresh in your word, in the Bible, every day. Lord, we thank you. The whole book is about you. And we thank you for sharing that with us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's saints said, amen. Thank you so much once again for listening to our podcast. If you experienced something special today or connected in a special way with something that you heard, don't keep it a secret. You can reach out and share directly with one of our staff at redeemermn.org leadership, or you can share this episode of the podcast across your own social media. We look forward to the opportunity to connect with you. Until next time, God bless you and have a wonderful day.